Welcome to Soul Sessions with Creative Mind with Deborah Burnt Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado of Creative Mind. Join us each week for an inspiring conversation about personal development based on Jungian philosophy, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Spend each week with us to explore deep topics in a practical way. Let's begin. Hello, welcome to another episode of Soul Sessions with Creative Mind. I'm Deborah Maldonado. I'm here with Dr. Rob Maldonado, and we are continuing our series. This is the last episode in the series on mind-body health, mind-body wellness, and we are so excited to introduce our last topic. But before we do, I want to remind you, please, if you want to not miss an episode, Click on the button below if you're watching our YouTube channel, or if you are listening on Spotify or iTunes, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss another episode. Yeah. And so what's today's topic, Rob? Yeah, let's dive in. Uh, it's an important one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about how to transform pain. Mm. And specifically, we want to talk about chronic pain. And, and physical pain, not because there's emotional pain too, but we're <laughs> focusing on the body. Yeah. 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 And pain, it's so universal. Uh, I mean, it's almost like if you, when you think about human suffering, you think about pain, right? Mm-hmm. Physical pain, uh, as well as emotional pain. Um, and we'll talk about how they're connected, mm-hmm. because that's really what we're talking about in the mind body, that uh, the mind and the body are one. Mm hmm. And of course, continuing what we talked about last episode is that our approach is an east-west approach. So we have the eastern philosophy that tells us there's this material world that is the physical body, the mind, the, the what we're conscious of. And then there's something more to us that's unconscious, the, uh, the consciousness that holds us together. Uh, that, that creates this experience of life and that spiritual element, which I think is so important. If you're talking about mind-body, you have to transcend the mind-body in something beyond it in order to really uh, work with it in an effective way. Absolutely. So what is pain, Rob? How would you describe pain, physical pain? Like, why do we have it? Yes, so the body has this incredible mechanism to make sure we don't damage our tissue, our skin, our bones, our uh, uh, blood vessels. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's an alarm system, essentially, whenever there's a danger of us hurting ourselves. Our hand is too close to the fire, it's going to get burned. It would, would destroy the skin and the cells on the and skin. Uh, the pain sensors receptors shoot a message to the brain and say uh pull back your arm don't hold on to that fiery rock (laughs) yes and a lot of it of course works unconsciously Mm -hmm. automatically Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't have to think about it it's almost instinctual uh we have um you know, even as babies, we don't have. No one has to tell us that fire is bad. We could feel it. It's, it's something that we automatically yeah. feel. Or, or we just, learn the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> we we don't visually. We don't. But until we have an experience of it, we start pulling away. Yes. And so it's it's a a good mechanism to have. We don't want to numb that that pain uh, receptor. That's right. Uh, 
there are children that are born without uh, pain sensitivity and they get into trouble really quick because they start to hurt their eyes, hurt themselves uh, because there's no pain telling them don't do that. Mm. You know, don't rub your eyes really hard mm-hmm. to where you damage uh, your your eyeballs because uh, they can't feel it. Mm. They just, you know, they just feel an itch and they scratch it, but it's not uh, it's not healthy. Uh, pretty soon, the children have to be restrained somehow, or uh, some kind of apparatus has to prevent them from touching their face in their harmful way. Oh wow! So we should feel that um, if we do have pain, it's there for a reason, but we also need to uh, understand what it's like to have regular pain, which is a headache, or you know, you break your arm, you have a temporary pain until they set it, uh, you lift something, you have a little backache, but you're okay, you work out a little yeah. too hard and you, your muscles ache, um, you have a, eat something wrong and your stomach aches, so there's are some signals. Maybe you stressed your body out too much. And those are all great indicators of be careful, slow down, don't do that, um, adjust. But then there's this uh, concept which is turning into an epidemic and a really uh, big issue in the world is chronic pain. 1.6 billion people on the planet experience chronic pain. And chronic pain is pain that lasts more than three months. It's yeah. over a long period of time where you just, it's not just a couple days or a week, it's ongoing. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, an, an incredible amount of human suffering mm-hmm. uh, from injuries, uh, from work-related uh, stress, from uh, activities, uh, sports, mm-hmm. uh, sports injuries, um, Even autoimmune disorders, they they have chronic pain, and they don't, and the doctors a lot of times don't know exactly how to treat it. That too, yeah, a lot of autoimmune uh, disorders, it, um, car accidents, motorcycle mm. accidents, uh, on and on. Mm. Uh, you see, even sports uh, uh, people, uh, you see these uh, retired sports people having to deal with uh, their their long, lifelong. Uh, punishment of their bodies, uh, extreme intensity mm-hmm. of, of, of an activity. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's a big problem, but also uh, exacerbating that is all these other pain, chronic pain um, situations where it's not about an event. It's just what is happening. What is maybe high stress environment, mm-hmm. uh, a, a long term illness that doesn't go away, and you're dealing with it. So there's biological factors there's psychological factors there's social factors and there's spiritual factors to pain yeah absolutely so let's start with the biological ones of course we spoke about how the body has this uh, sensory system uh, that includes pain sensors uh, to give us a heads up as to when we're about to damage our body tissue um if they're not evenly distributed that's that's an interesting part of it that uh, different parts of the body have more pain receptors than others. So uh, I noticed that um, when I get my eyebrows done, <laughs> it hurts really bad. <laughs> or they say around your lips is really sensitive. Sure. And then your fingertips, mm-hmm. but other areas of your body aren't as sensitive. Maybe there is there more fat or 
Uh, is that the, the case or just certain areas it's, that need to be more sensitive? Well, it's different than the touch sensory system. So touching, mm-hmm. for example, it's not pain. It, it's not mm-hmm. painful to us, right? It, it just feels like a little pressure. Mm-hmm. But pain, uh, pain receptors are distributed in a different way. Mm. So the back is very sensitive, mm. right? That's why uh, if somebody touches your back, it's like, or or you know, any injury to the back kind of persists for a long time. Um, is that, what about tickling? We get sensitive to that, tickling. Is that because our mm, gut is very sensitive? No, that's, well, that's, yeah, those are sense, sense, uh, sense uh, receptors, not so much pain. Uh, pain. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, the pain receptors are different. They're specialized nerve endings that mm. are specialized for pain. So where's the most, the greatest concentration of that in your body, you think? Is it the back? Uh, the back, yeah, and the, the arms, uh, those kind of areas, and also parts of the faces. But the, the nose is uh, kind of low on the scale. It doesn't have that many pain uh, receptors. Um, the thumb, they say, is uh, probably one of the least. Wow. Ones. So, you know, you kind of sense that it, it's kind of numb, right? You can put pressure on it. It doesn't really hurt that much. Mm. So I, I guess because we use our hands a lot. Uh, mm. so We, we don't, don't want to be like, ah, I yeah. can't do anything. Right, right. So, yeah, and so the biological factor is the receptors in the body, and then it feeds back to the brain, and then the brain interprets that, sensation and decides how you should react to it yes uh, that's one of the incredible things about the body that it's the pain although we it appears to us that we're feeling it in in the area where we feel the injury or the burn Mm. uh, it's really happening in the brain Mm. the signals have to reach the brain and then the brain interprets that as the experience that we know as pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of uh, feels hurtful to us. Yeah. Painful, burning, sharp, uh, dull, aching, all, all those. Uh, it just d- discomfort. That subjective level, right? experience. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's different for everyone that pain is not really that receptor. And us, uh, some some people have a high tolerance, and some people have a low tolerance. I think yeah. you can also learn to uh, not feel, uh, be desensitize yourself or hypersensitize yourself. And that's really like when we go into the psychological part of it. What it, the psychological? What I see a lot is um, the pain is not actually the cause. Uh, there's a deeper cause. And a lot of times the pain is the effect of something psychological, an emotional event, and then it shows up in the physical body as pain. Yeah, so we know the, it's an interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the brain, mind it, uh, interprets that experience or those impulses coming from the body uh, as pain and then tries to determine is this, what is the level of pain that I'm experiencing? Is it intolerable? Is it tolerable? Is it mild? Mm. Uh, what What is the quality of it? Is it a sharp pain? Is it a dull pain? Is it persistent or chronic? Mm-hmm. Uh, or just acute, meaning it's going to disappear as soon as I move my hand mm-hmm. away from 
the pain stimuli. Um, so, but psychological factors have to do with that interpretation and the emotion and the cognition around it. Are you looking for a satisfying career as a life coach? If you are seeking a deeper path of training and growth, Creative Mind University offers an ICF accredited life coach training program that goes beyond surface positive thinking and into a powerful process of real transformation. You can start your new career as a certified life coach trained in a unique methodology based on Jungian theory, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Get the tools to become your true self, change your life, and the lives of others. Visit creativemindlife.com, click on apply, and speak with one of our team members today to discuss your future and possibilities of becoming a certified life coach. That's creativemindlife.com. We know if we're depressed, we tend to experience higher levels of pain mm -hmm. than when we're not. Mm. It's almost like the story we're telling ourselves about it and the, the, uh, the idea that it's not going to get better, that it's getting yeah. worse. One of the factors we know in depression is that people feel they're being punished. Mm -hmm. So they feel like, here mm -hmm. it is, mm -hmm. right? I'm being punished for something some guilt they have in their past. And yeah, it's like a, a worthiness even that, you know, spiritually the God or the spirit has abandoned you and you're left here, You're some karma that you're trying to um, pay off mm -hmm. from this and, uh, and, and that kind of um, beating yourself up yeah. for it. Yeah. And that makes it even worse. Or even anger at it, anger at your body. Uh, we found, too, that um, when I worked with people on pain, the more angry they were about their physical condition, it, it uh, actually they made them hate their body, and then the body creates more <laughs> of a body you hate and creates more pain. So it's that feedback between the mind and the body that's constantly communicating on even a psychological level, not just that mechanical, physical, biological level from brain to body, but the mind itself. Yes, and then there are feedback loops. Uh, for example, if I experience pain, especially chronic pain, and I'm thinking God is punishing me or life of the universe is punishing me for something I did, uh, that creates a feedback loop like a, like a circuit mm -hmm. that keeps uh, running automatically so that it, I find it hard to break that cycle. Mm. Well, even this idea that, like you said, that feedback loop of, I don't deserve it, or I'm, I'm bad because I have this, but that feeling of defeat, because a lot of times people have chronic pain, and they've tried so many things to deal with it, and then they get defeated, and then they start to believe they'll never be out of pain. And that also feeds, creates that never being out of pain, and they're kind of stuck yeah. in that loop. Yeah, and these are just uh, small samples or yeah, examples. Yeah, not of, the whole gamut of... Yeah, because it, it's a long list of emotions that play into this biopsychosocial model of pain. Mm. Uh, the social part, of course, is do we get secondary gains from ex being sick or being in pain? Mm -hmm. And often, especially as children, we might get rewarded 
or when we're sick or when we're in pain. Yeah, when you get home from school and you get to stay home from school, mom nurtures you, she brings your little soup and you, you know, but then after school, everyone's out playing and you can't play because you're sick, you took off from school. But that, that uh, or even you skin your knee and mommy yeah. kisses your knee and makes it better and or gives you a little treat. And so we learn that when we're in pain, we get a treat. And yeah. um, and especially uh, elderly people, sometimes that's the only time they get attention from their family is when they have a, a medical issue. And so everyone is around them and they can rally around them. And then when they're feeling better, it seems they're not getting the attention. And so there's a lot of research around the the that kind of creating the creating the symptoms so they can mm -hmm. get attention like that like you said there's a secondary gain that if I let go of this you know even chronic pain people can get used to not working so socially economically you a lot of people who have chronic pain are on disability and they can't work but you're so used to getting that disability check that unconsciously you may think well mm. if I get out of pain now I'm going to have to go and get money for myself there could be and again this is not conscious but there could be a secondary gain from that as well like you your your body and mind gets into a pattern and it's almost like this is better the the familiar is always better than something new it, like almost like that fear it could get worse so let me just kind of manage my symptoms the way it is and um, also socially people with chronic pain have relationship issues a lot of times um the feeling of uh, not fitting in with society if they can't work, uh, mm. feeling that they're not contributing or not they can't do social activities like um, everyone else, and it can be very isolating. Absolutely, and then spiritual uh, elements of it uh, mm. again, the sense of being punished by uh, the a, a supreme power, mm -hmm. uh, God or the universe or life in general. Mm -hmm. Um, however you see life but the, we also know faith spirituality spiritual practices have a protective uh, effect on chronic pain mm -hmm. meaning it protects the individual from those experiences and then when it does happen it it helps them overcome the chronic pain mm. So it could be a, a source. I'll back go to the biology can work against you or for you. The psychology can work for you or against you. So social issues can work for you or against you. And then the spirituality can work for you and against you. It's based on how you yeah. ex explain it. And then you you asked earlier about uh, genetics. Yeah. Uh, everything has a genetic component because the body is a genetic expression, essentially. Everything has some genetic component to it. Uh, in research, the variance is considered high or low. Like mm -hmm. some have a higher genetic component than others. Mm. And sometimes it's broken down into percentages, things like that. But in general, yeah, every, everything has to have a pre uh, or a, a genetic predisposition uh, for how you're going to react to it. So there's, as long as you have a body, there's biological elements yeah. and then we also learn from our family how other people dealt with illness and culturally right. there's certain you can't be ill or it's like part of the culture to like have suffer from maybe a family thing that happens to everyone in the family uh conditions that happen um yeah. i know a lot of people have crohn's and those uh, by uh, uh ibs 
And a lot of times it, it's in a family line and mm-hmm. uh, you feel, well, this is part of our lot. And almost like we feel, especially we, when it's chronic, we feel powerless. Um, the, the impact mentally on a person who suffers from chronic pain, it's not only the pain itself and the discomfort, but the mental anguish of uh, you know, having to deal with it and can be depressive and uh, and some people even suicidal from it. They can't live with the pain. And so we need other ways to work. And uh, everyone knows about the opioid crisis, that p- pain pill, like take a take a pill and but it it's addictive. And so, again, it's not the safest yeah. um, route, just taking a pill. We have to look at the whole person. Yeah, again, we mentioned in our previous podcast how uh, modern medicine is very good at treating infectious diseases and emergency traumatic situations, but it's not very good at treating these lifestyle problems. Mm-hmm. And chronic pain is certainly one of the lifestyle problems, right? That it's about the patterns of your life, mm. how you've been living your life. And to, to make those changes requires some effort. It's not going to be a one-pill mm-hmm. uh, solution. Just to cover, the, it, it, what it does is just diminish the, 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 the perception of pain, but it doesn't really heal the body. It doesn't get at the problem, at yeah. the source of the problem. Where is this pain arising from? Mm-hmm. And it's usually a multifactorial, meaning a lot of factors are and a meeting in this one place, and it's expressing itself as pain, mm. as physical pain. But there is a way out of pain. And uh, one of the things I discovered in my early training of pain management is that pain is an interpretation of the mind. Absolutely. Uh, and that's what saves us. Uh, a lot of the times that this that it is a subjective interpretation that we're making about an experience um of course we know it's real we're not saying you know it's all in your mind Mm. Uh, everything is in the mind essentially everything we experience is a mental experience but it's very painful meaning it's hurting us it's causing us anguish distress and it's demoralizing us Mm. when we experience chronic pain it starts to wear us down mm-hmm. to where we start to feel hopeless, helpless. That um, we don't feel like we're in control of our bodies anymore. Yes. And then, if the doctor doesn't have the answer, mm-hmm. it's really defeating. This expert of the body is not able to treat us in in a very uh, maybe like numbing the pain or coping with the pain. But it it it's almost like you have to. A lot of times, well, it's something you're going to have to live with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that there is another way (laughs) there's a way out and even in the hospital when we talk about perception of pain the reason why or go to the doctor they always ask you from a scale of one to ten how painful that is because there's no way they can measure it there's no they can they can look at your body and assume well this looks like an intense situation it probably feels this way but each person will label that the same biological response in it like a nine or a five or a four right that's right so here's the definition of guided imagery, which is one of the approaches that we recommend for chronic pain. Um, guided imagery is the treatment of chronic pain, and it aims to enhance relax- relaxation as well as 
unhooking attention from the pain and the mental elaboration about it mm. through the use of peaceful, soothing, and symbolically therapeutic mental images. Mm-hmm. So this part is interesting. First of all, relaxation. We know the relaxation response has an incredible beneficial effect on the mind-body, mm-hmm. including somebody in chronic pain. It's going to help them feel better. It's going to release a lot of endorphins, a lot of feel-good stuff in the body, and they're going to feel better. It activates the healing response in the body. Yes. The other one, unhooking the attention from the pain. Mm-hmm. And here's an, the, the important word, right, that we're hooked into that pain. We're focused on it when yeah. we have it. The, the mind naturally goes there. It's like when you have a toothache, you can't stop thinking about or it. Or you have your tongue there, yeah. touching it all the time because you're like so focused. And it's really designed that way. Right? The, the, mind, the, the brain is saying, there's pay some pay attention to this. But as we pay attention, it's like the blood flows there and then it gets more intense. And uh, my clients that I worked with on migraines, I would always tell them, like, when you have a migraine, you're, you're kind of this big, heavy block on your head that you're focused on the head. So find a part of your body that feels calm. And most of the time I tell them, focus on your feet. Imagine your feet in warm water. And that warm water, the blood will naturally flow to the feet. Even if you're not in warm water, you can imagine it. And it starts to pull the pressure away from the head and move it to the feet, and it relieves the pain. There's, a, a, you know, of course, many other imagery uh, scripts I have for that, but that is just an example of how powerful it can be to be able to direct your mind. And I think the important thing about this, Rob, is that when people have chronic pain or even any kind of pain, they feel powerless. Mm. They feel that they're they're reacting to their body, and then they go to a doctor or, t- or take aspirin or pain medication to deal with it but they feel like they're a prisoner in their body and guided imagery and these other interventions help you get back the power absolutely and then the the third one that they mentioned this is symbolically therapeutic mental images now here we can make a connection to the spirituality that we're Mm -hmm. talking about because these mental images uh, almost as like Jung talks about these um Uh, numinous images that appear through dreams and visions when a person is able to to observe them through guided imagery either somebody else guiding them or themselves practicing a guided uh, meditation and and they're able to hold their mind on these important numinous images within the mind Mm. they have a powerful transformative effect that plays into the healing yes system within the body the power the of faith body. when i was my dad was going through chemo i told him to imagine the white light he was he's catholic so i told him imagine jesus is here with you and he's putting his beautiful white light i mean a golden light healing light in you his healing powers to go through your body and dissolving it of all the cancer and and he used the visualization and you use what uh, that spiritual power, I really do believe, um, has such an impact that we, we don't, I mean, modern medicine doesn't talk about it enough, mm. but it's that the, the belief and faith in something bigger than you is really 
um, just mind blowing how it can impact a person's state of mind. And then there's kind of comfort in knowing they're not alone and that feeling of connectedness to something greater, that spiritual nature. Mm -hmm. Um, The other one that I wanted to mention is biofeedback. Mm -hmm. Because here we see the power of uh, the understanding the connection between the mind and the body, meaning that your thoughts and not only the conscious thoughts, but your mind's ability to observe and the reaction in the body uh, is one, it's connected. Mm. Uh, whereas we think our mind and our thoughts are separate than our body, they're not. Mm. Uh, and biofeedback, and it's been around for, for a long time, since the 70s, uh, and it's still around and still being researched and developed but essentially what it is is that we use technology, an external apparatus of some kind, to give us feedback on our bodily function. So you have all the, the, the screens and then you watch it? Yeah, so here's a, a simplified example, right? Uh, let's say I want to reduce uh, the blood flow because blood flow we know is connected to inflammation, for example. Uh, let's say I injure my my thumb and it's swollen. You know how it swells up, right? When you're spraying mm-hmm. part mm-hmm. of a, your body, so that means there's mo- more blood flow going to that area and causing the inflammation. And let's say I want to reduce that inflammation, so I might wrap a little sensor around it that measures the blood flow, how much blood that mm. area of my body is receiving. Mm-hmm. And then there's a little screen that shows me the numbers associated with blood flow. Let's say from 1 to 10. Okay. So I, I wrap it around my thumb and I observe the needle and it says 10. Meaning there's a lot, there's a of, lot blood of blood flow, flow. going yeah. to that area. right? And rightly so. The, the body's trying to heal itself. But let's say I want to reduce it because I know if I can reduce the blood flow it will reduce the swelling and it will reduce the pain sensation that I'm feeling. So now all I have to do through biofeedback is observe the needle and I don't even have to understand how I'm doing it or how my body is doing it. But as soon as I start to see the needle go down a little bit, the my mind-body is learning Whatever it did, whatever it tried, it, it, it saw that there was a correlation, that uh. the, the needle went down. Mm. So I cognitively, I mean, consciously, I'm not even aware of what I did in my body or what my mind body did. Your breathing did. could have slowed or your heartbeat could have slowed down. or Yes, or um, just focusing cool. on, the, yeah, or just, on the screen. It's just relaxing. Yeah, it yeah. distracted me. And, mm. But whatever mm. it, I did, it move the needle mm-hmm. in the right direction so it keeps on doing it mm. and sure enough the needle starts to go down to mm. five to two mm. to one and did your thumb get better my thumb got better <laughs> pain relieved inflammation went down now the this mechanism of course works in many different ways uh but the 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 basic idea the theory is very solid that your mind body just by observing 
what is the correlation between what the mind body is doing and an external measure mm. allows you to allows your body to learn how to do it how to reduce that pain it's like the observer mechanism almost like yeah. when you you are observe and you become aware that you can actually activate some kind of deeper intelligence to but yeah. if you're just unconscious and just reacting to the pain and you're not being consciously observing in a in this way where it's like you're looking at the number and you're distracted a little bit mm -hmm. yeah it's an incredible nobody really understands it completely mm. but the the mechanism uh, is experimentally verifiable mm. in other words it works most of the time mm. that it's applied if it's applied in the right way so there's really we have so many tools our mind yeah. can provide that uh, can help us with this because modern medicine is pretty new. Uh, what did the uh, ancients do with pain before? There must have been mechanisms. And even, um, I guess, childbirth, we've been giving birth to babies for thousands of years, millions of years. And then how did they deal with it without pain? How did they mm -hmm. deal with it without pain? Um, I did a lot of um, childbirth hypnosis when I was young and starting out. And one of the things they taught us is that when you go into a hospital, psychologically, your mind goes into this place of sick people. And so there's a lot of stress and tension and all these machines. And and we didn't have all that when we were natural natural humans. We were, this is just part of life. And I, I wonder if we could measure and talk to someone from a million years ago who had birth, what their perception of pain was versus someone who's having a modern birth today. Yeah, And we have all these interventions that um, uh, interfere with the, the natural birth process and actually make birth harder. Yeah. yeah so with gets, all the pain, there's... Yeah. Like, it gets to that idea, that, again, that pain is not bad. It's, mm -hmm. it's simply saying, pay attention. Mm. And so if we're willing to pay attention, mm -hmm. we're, we'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, we'll be fine. We'll find a way... It's when we ignore it mm. or we cover it up with medication, then then we're increasing the likelihood of us getting into trouble mm. because we're not paying attention to what the mind body is telling us to pay attention to. So I think the, the what I'd love to leave everyone with today is this idea that within your own body mind, within your own consciousness, personal consciousness, there is the answer to alleviate your pain. And um, it, 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 you have to find that answer. There's going to be trial and error. But try these alternative uh, techniques, uh, guided imagery, hypnosis, yoga, biofeedback, relaxation, um, and, and be open to this idea that you will find the answer, that this is not a life sentence for you, and trust in your deep intelligent self that it, the answer is within you. I think if you don't approach it that way, if you have a defeatist attitude where it's never going to change, it's going to be even hard to even receive it. But try, even if it's 1%, have a little bit of faith in your own divine intelligence to find the answer. And maybe it's by, by accident running into someone who has a technique that works or a friend of yours says, hey, you know, I tried this, try that. And you just try 
uh, and just be open to things working and uh, you you finding the solution. I think that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Yes. So um, would you like to give us a little hint on how to work with uh, headaches? Well, I did talk about the the um, moving your attention to your feet, but I'll give you another one, which might be a nice uh one of the greatest things about guided imagery is that you actually can leave your body you, and mentally you're, you get like a little distance from your body. And so you can just do a deep, uh, you know, head to toe relaxation and just picture yourself in a beautiful place, uh, a place that just makes you feel happy. Cause that's also very important for healing is a calm, happy, beautiful place. And then imagine in that place is a healing place pool like a small little if you're afraid of you know wild things you could be of like a regular pool a spa pool but if you like nature maybe it's just like a watering hole but and the water is whatever temperature you want it's to be really, either really cool or really warm and you just mm-hmm. uh you just sit in this and imagine that it's your healing bath and then if you have a headache and you're sitting with your head outside of the water and the the rest of the bath is heat uh, it will pull all that energy from your head. Imagine the cool air around your head, mm. and you can really just experience that healing. And this is also great for chronic pain. If you have a pain in your body, just imagine being in that really deep, amazing bath. Um, when we were in uh, Jordan, we went into the um, Dead Sea, where it's like very salty and heavy, and you can float in it. So if you want it to be that salty nutrition a filled healing bath and you can create these states and you'll find is that your mind takes its attention off the physical body and then there's this mind body this like etheric body like a kind of an image of your body that you're actually working with and and kind of giving yourself a little space mm. and um, it's profoundly healing to to do that uh, type of work and it doesn't have any side effects which is the best part that's right Wonderful. So uh, you're going to try that tonight, Rob? <laughs> I'm going to try that tonight. <laughs> so uh, so wonderful to share all this information. And uh, we hope you uh, got something out of this today or have a friend that is suffering from chronic pain. Maybe have them listen to this episode. Uh, be open to something uh, changing. Be open to a miracle in your life and trust that deep within you there is this powerful intelligence that wants you to be healthy, wants you to have return back to perfect health. So um, hope you have a great rest of your week, and we will see you next week Thanks on for watching. Soul Sessions. See you soon. Take care. Thank you for joining us, and don't forget to subscribe to Creative Minds Soul Sessions, and join us next week as we explore another deep topic where you can consciously create your life with Creative Mind Soul Sessions. See you next time.